welcome to episode one of The Middle of Medicine. I'm one of your hosts, Peter Jones. And I'm Aubrey Jones. And we're here today to talk about medicine in the holidays. Again, as, as Aubrey and I have been thinking about what are things that we could talk about or that we would like to talk about on this podcast, one of the things that came up is, well, what is it like to work in medicine over the holidays? And I'm going to go ahead and start and tell you totally honestly, as a surgeon, it kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, really, it does. And, you know, it's interesting because we've got Christmas and we've got Thanksgiving and we've got New Year's. And all of those holidays have the uh, effect that because they're days off, I'm mm-hmm. either losing surgery time in the operating room or I'm losing some clinic time. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, one of the big things that we see is, you know, I'm missing days, whether it's, you know, on Thanksgiving, the clinic closed a half day on Wednesday. Right. And then was closed Thursday and Friday because mm-hmm. the staff need time off for sure. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, those were... For me, some OR days and a half clinic day that I lost. Right. And the same thing with Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. And so already you're automatically losing some time when you could either be seeing people in clinic or, you know, doing surgeries. And right. And it definitely slows you down and puts you a little behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. In your position, Aubrey, have you seen anything different in the hospital over the last, I mean, I guess since you started working, because it's really only been during the holidays, but yeah, anything you've noticed holiday related? Um, you just kind of notice people, it's, it's like, you know, it's nearing the end of the year, so sort of some like time scheduling, you know, all the weird like administrative stuff is kind of wrapping up. Um, and so everyone is a little a little tense, but trying not to be is what I've noticed because we as CNAs and nurses, we are the ones that are at the patient's bedside 24/7, literally 24/7. Sure. Like there's never not one of us. Um, and so we're getting kind of burnt out and tense just about all this stuff and people don't want to be working during the holidays, but we're trying to keep a positive outlook cuz these poor kids are in the hospital on the holidays. So obviously it's worse for them. Um, And so like I've seen like the charge nurses and stuff will, things will be super stressful, but they're trying so hard to make things fun for these kids over Christmas time. And so it's just kind of this kind of trying to juggle back and forth between like taking care of yourself and making sure that you're not getting burnt out. um, But also still like, making things a positive environment for those patients and their families. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And and that's one of the things that I appreciate about, you know, just talking to you about this kind of stuff is where you're more on that direct patient care side of things. I think you see a lot of that, that, you know, maybe I don't see as much, Right. you know, I mean, of course I'm seeing people in clinic and I'm doing surgeries and stuff, but I'm, often not seeing those people who are, you know, stuck in the hospital over the holidays. Right. And uh, that can be tough. Yeah. No, it really can because what we see, especially what I've noticed, like during shift change, when we have to give the report to the new CNA or nurse, whoever's, you know, coming to 
for the next shift, um, you tell them everything that you saw in that patient that day. And a lot of the times you get to see their mood changes. You see all of the ins and outs of what happens with them. Um, like I had a toddler the other day who, you know, one day had his external ventricular drain clamped. And so this pressure was building up in his head. And so he was so, you know, obviously you're not going to be happy when you're the pressure in your <laughs> brain is building up. So the poor kid is puking and crying and screaming. But then two days later, he's so pleasant all day. But we're the ones that get to see all of those changes. Whereas, you know, maybe the surgeons who don't work on the weekends, usually, you know, they don't really see that. Um, and so we're the ones that, you know, have to pass that along. So, well, and I don't think that we can overstate the importance of the nursing staff Mm -hmm. in, in being aware of and paying attention to those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I'm doing one surgery and then I'm going and seeing the next patient and getting them ready and then doing that surgery. And, you know, a lot of times somebody who I've done surgery on is ready to be discharged before mm-hmm. I'm done with the previous case. And so they're gone. They're out of the hospital. I haven't right. even had a chance to see them or talk to them. And I'm not going to see them or talk to them until their post-op appointment. Right. And and so you kind of miss uh, you miss a lot of those more subtle things mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I'm, I'm tied up in this go, 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 get the right. next case done, get the next case done, or yeah. even in clinic, see the next patient, see the next patient, see the next patient, mm-hmm. um, that it, it definitely disconnects you a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's also one of those things that I think a lot of people who aren't in medicine don't fully understand and appreciate mm-hmm. what it's like, you know, just the other day. I mean, you, you know, I don't remember. I don't remember if you were there when mm-hmm. we, were you there when we did the call with family over zoom on Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I happened to kind of mention in passing that, Oh, this is my least favorite time of the year. I can't right. stand it. And everybody was like, Oh, why? why? Yeah, it's so so incredible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, it's so insanely busy at work. And, and, you know, again, as a surgeon and something that you'll see if Mm -hmm. the insurance system hasn't changed (laughs) at some point in the next few years. Crossing our fingers. You know, people, they've met their deductible. They've, you know, in some cases maybe hit their max out of pocket. And so they're like, hey, uh, there's a selective procedure and this is the time I want to do it. Right. And... And it becomes incredibly stressful to have to tell people no. Yeah. But, you know, my surgery schedule has basically been booked out the last six weeks. And so I'm seeing somebody even at the beginning of December and they want their elective surgery done before the end of the year. And right. I'm the bad guy who has to say, I'm sorry. I literally don't have free time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my OR schedule is completely booked. Mm-hmm. Everybody's OR schedule is completely booked. And so it's not even like there's a lot of spare OR time that I can just magically say, oh, hey, let's go and, and throw this in. So Right, yeah. And, and you know, kind of back to what you were mentioning with, um, you know, the surgeon sometimes not being aware of and seeing those things. You know, you're right because, again, like me, mm-hmm. you know, they're in surgery. Right, and, exactly. 
especially where you're at, where you're in kind of more of an academic situation, mm-hmm. you know, the message that you're passing along, it's kind of like a game of telephone. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you mention it to the nurse, the nurse calls somebody and mentions it to most likely a junior resident who's on the service or an intern yep. even. Mm-hmm. And then the intern is maybe bumping it up to a more senior resident on the service. Mm-hmm. And only after that point does it have a chance of making it to the attending surgeon or the attending physician who's, you know, yeah. ultimately the one in charge of that patient. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? By the time you make it through all those different steps, mm-hmm. how things are even being communicated. Right. And, like, things might have changed or gotten worse or something. But, yeah, because the other day I had this kid who came in for a brain tumor section and his sodium levels were really out of whack. So he was just uh-huh. going to the bathroom a lot. Um, but he can't stand up. And so we were changing him. Um, and it would be upwards of 600 milliliters every wow. time. And he was going probably every hour. Um, and this is a huge concern, obviously. Um, <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little. So then, you know, I'm the one who changed him. So I then tell the nurse who's on the pod. Then the nurse tells the charge nurse to see if this is a big enough deal we need to page the resident. Who then the charge nurse pages the resident. And then it takes a while because it's the middle of the night and they're on call. And so then they have to come in and then they have to tell their superior. And then only then we can figure out what to do. So it's just interesting to kind of see how things get done with all of these steps you have to go through. Definitely. So again, you know, you've been working there at the Children's Hospital for how many weeks now? Uh, my start date was November 15th, so like six so weeks. Coming up on six weeks now. Yeah. And have you noticed anything different over the last six weeks or things as it got closer to like Christmas and New Year's? Any um, different challenges or anything that you've kind of noticed? Um, Mostly from my end, it's just like the different types of patients that we see. Like from then until now where winter and there's storms and ice and snow, we've had multiple car accidents, so head traumas from that. We have snowmobiling accidents. Some kid came in for a a sledding accident even. This poor kid (laughs) hit a tree and then the next day had a facial droop. Like, (laughs) it's just at least from my end, whereas I don't have to do too much administrative stuff like that. That's the main thing that I see is that from then until now, in the last couple weeks, we've gotten upwards of 10 car accident patients that have came in from the ICU um, into our unit. So I don't know if I've mentioned, but I'm in the neuroscience trauma unit. So we get the head stuff. (laughs) That's crazy stuff. And and this is getting to be a time of year where you see more things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I mean, I went sledding all the time. And right. my pediatrician, who um, was good friends with, with my mom, she worked in his office and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just remember he hated sledding. Yep. And he said, you know, if you get injured sledding, don't call me. Because I've already told you, don't do it. Yeah. And I thought that that was such a crazy thing to say 
Yeah. And now I'm looking at it and I'm like, why would you ever go sledding without a helmet? You know, <laughs> if you're going to do something stupid like that, at least yeah. put on a helmet. Just stuff like that. Right. Where, you know, it's totally changed my outlook on it. Mm-hmm. Being the one who, again, you know, for a couple of years when I was on the trauma service in residency, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you'd see all those kinds of things and skiing accidents and tubing and sledding and yeah. Um, you know, just all these different things where it's like, man, why do people do this kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, and this is slightly off topic, but I had a girl the other day, um, well, not really the other day, closer to when I first started. Um, <laughs> and she was 15 years old, but got in a car accident because her and the four other people she was driving with were all drunk in the car, including the driver. And so they hit someone. The other person that they hit passed away, and two people, two of her best friends passed away because they got in a drunk car accident. And you never realize, I mean, you know, you hear drunk driving stories all the time, but then when I see it firsthand, and I see a 15-year-old girl whose legs are shattered and brain is just messed up, and you know she lost two of her best friends like the, the things that those kinds of things just have such a bigger impact than you even realize like including oh, yeah. you know sledding and snowmobiling this poor kid came in from a snowmobiling accident and is paralyzed from the neck down and you don't realize just those little choices that you make and then oh just how big of an impact that can have well and you know the hard thing is is it it can have this tendency working in medicine and especially seeing things like trauma, but it can have a tendency to make you kind of sort of want to just be like, put me in my bubble. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's I don't want to do anything. <laughs> yep. I don't want to do anything. I don't want yep. to catch anything. I don't <laughs> want to break anything. Yep. You know, but obviously, I mean, that's not a way for people to live. Right. And so one of the things that, that, you know, I think as people in the medical profession and, and this will probably be something we can talk about down the road, but it's, well, how do we educate, mm-hmm, you know, exactly. what can we do to help educate people around us right. to, to do things that are going to be better for their health? Yeah. You know, whether it's, you know, wearing a helmet when you sled or your ski, I mean, you know, we have helmets for uh, all of you guys when we got skis and stuff like that. And right. I never wore a helmet when I was a kid and went skiing. That just was, you know, that wasn't cool. You right, yeah, because it. It, it looks <laughs> funky, this big thing on your head. <laughs> right, but now I look at it and I'm like, well, why would you not? Yeah, why would, exactly, yeah. But one of the things that you kind of touched on, and I think that it's it's really important to consider and discuss, is this notion of burnout. Mm-hmm. You know, and what are some examples of, burnout that you've seen or how burnout has affected the people that you're working with? Um, well, I have, I have this coworker who she's incredible. She is nine months pregnant working four night shifts in a row. That girl is, and she is, yeah, she has three other kids at home too. And so she walks around in that little pregnant woman penguin waddle, but she's, she's going, she's taking care of patients. She's doing the thing, but 
whenever like she she looks like she's totally fine running around doing the thing but when I ask her how she is she always sighs and she goes I'm so tired I just want to go home (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like girl I feel you (laughs) but I just see that with my particular job you know we have 12 hour shifts which is very very long (laughs) yeah it is like it's nine in the morning and you've been there already for three hours, but you have nine hours to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just see so many of these people just getting so exhausted from working so much because they're trying to pick up extra shifts or something. I have a coworker who's trying to build a house right now, and so their family's worried about money, so he's been picking up extras. But when you pick up extras, that's a 12-hour shift that gives you no time for yourself. None. Yeah. Because you go to work, you go home, and you sleep. And then you wake up, and you go to work again. And that's the only thing that it's just over and over again. And so these people that just get in this zone of, you know, working all these shifts all the time, they I, you can just see it in their eyes. They're so tired because it's just exhausting doing all of this stuff but i am not to that point yet because i've only been working there for six weeks <laughs> so I'm glad you're not to that point yet. yep you know one of the other uh, side effects of this time of year in medicine mm-hmm. is the notion of getting sick right i mean people you know whether it's flu whether it's bad colds and now in this era that we live in right is it covid yeah you know and and nobody knows for sure and so everybody's being more cautious and people are having to call out and so Mm -hmm. now you've got for example in the operating room they're calling in you know people who are like on call Mm -hmm. people who don't normally work or only work on weekends they're asking them to come in and pick up shifts during the week. Right. Um, we have a, a former OR nurse who chose to go and work on the floor. Mm-hmm. And we've had to call that person down and ask them to come in and do some shifts. And, mm-hmm. and you know, this person can do that because they brought in traveler nurses to help on the floor. And so now right. we have to use the travelers first and all sorts of weird politics in, in the administration of medicine. But right. You know, I see these people that I work with most closely, the OR staff, they're doing the same thing. They're coming in on their days off or they're working longer than their normal hours are because there's more rooms that are going long because all these surgeons are trying to get these cases done before the end of the year. Right. And so it just sort of piles up on itself Mm -hmm. where people are working more. It's people are calling out because they're sick. Mm-hmm. We're having to be cautious about things again, like COVID, because, right. you know, nobody knows what's the right thing to do. And, you know, the CDC a week or two ago said, oh, healthcare workers, they don't need to quarantine as long. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just basically because, <laughs> because we they need can't them back afford to. Work. to. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I guess I think it was today I saw that the CDC said, no, everybody can quarantine for less time now. Yeah, I saw that. And, and stuff. But, you know, it's all these different things that the recommendations that are being made and things that are being told. And in part, it's, you know, to try and keep the workforce up and adequate. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I just, my last shift that I went, we were talking about how, um, there is never a shift, at least that I have worked, where we don't have a float pool nurse or CNA there because we are yeah. so short-staffed because I think the rule in the hospital I work at is you can't work more than five days in a row, I think just because that's just too much. Um, sure. But so we just don't have enough people because, again, like you said, people call in sick and people are, you know, just – burnt out and needing a break and so nearly every single shift we have nurses floating from either float pool or just a different unit but we just don't have enough people and just the other shift we had to bleach every single one of the pods because we had three nurses out with the same thing and so we were like all right time to literally bleach every single thing we can see (laughs) so we bleached the entire unit for like two hours going around and bleaching everything. But it's like you said, it's that kind of thing. Everyone's getting sick and everything, everyone's needing to work. They're on calls. We have mandatory on calls where you have to sign up for a certain amount of them per, I think, schedule period. Um, And it's almost guaranteed you will have to work that because we're just so short staffed. Yeah. Being on call is definitely something we'll need to talk about down the road because Yeah, for sure. the words give me PTSD and make my yeah. skin crawl. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a good topic for another day. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it's difficult, too, this time of year, because as you mentioned, you know, what you're doing is you're seeing these kids and these kids who are stuck in the hospital on Christmas. Right. Nobody wants to be in the hospital on Christmas. Yeah. Those of us who work there don't want to be in the hospital <laughs> on Christmas. Yeah. Mine, you know. Are these poor patients who are stuck there for whatever reason. Right. And um, have you seen that impacting any of the kids that you've taken care of? The fact that, you know, they are in the hospital on Christmas. And I don't know what is it like in terms of the visitation policy at your hospital, because I know, again, at mine, they strictly limit the number of visitors yep. uh-huh. and things because of COVID. So, yep. you know, two, three years ago, a kid could have at least had their whole family come in. Right. But now, I mean, again, at our place, it's only one person. Yeah, for us, it's limited two visitors per room. Um, That's good, at least two. Yeah, so that is good. You know, they can either have both parents or a parent and a sibling or something like that. But, no, I, this is, like, just the other day, I think I was working Christmas Eve and this kid who has been in the hospital since I think September, he had a severe uh, car crash, severe traumatic brain injury, lots and lots of problems with this poor kid. Um, and he was always fine. He, you know, he was a bit of a quiet kid, but he would participate in therapies and that kind of stuff. But the key thing is nobody has visited this kid the entire time he's been in the hospital. Oh my goodness. He's been in the hospital since September and has nobody. Nobody has even showed up at all. That and is so, just so tragic. Yeah. And so I was surprised that he seemed to be doing as okay as he was until Christmas Eve. I noticed that he was put on a one to one, which for us that just means having um a CNA be with that patient 24-7 for the entire shift, and usually it's for 
suicide um, Mm -hmm. ideology and that kind of stuff. Or if it's, you know, a little baby trying to pull out their tubes, they'll put them on a one-to-one. But this kid got put on a one-to-one because he was talking about how depressed he was and how nobody was there to see him. No one was there to even talk to him. And so the poor kid, he just wanted someone to be with. And it was Christmas and he was like, no one's going to see me on like the holiday. And this poor kid is just so sad. So I put him on a one-to-one and one of the CNAs just hung out with him all day and it made him so happy. He was like biking down the halls in the little therapy bike with this big old smile on his face. And it just made me so sad because I was just like, these poor kids are in the hospital during the holidays and some of these kids have nobody visiting them at all. Wow. And it's just so sad for me to see. Ugh. That really is. And, you know, little things like that, that it's easy for us to forget sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and just how much it can mean to somebody to yeah. have somebody there with them. Yep, exactly. You know, even if you're not doing anything other than just being there mm-hmm. in the room, it's, I don't know, that's really sad. Yeah, it really is. And he he's this 16-year-old kid who loves to play video games. I don't even remember what video game it was. I think he, he just wanted to play Apex. So he used his call light to, like, have, and, you know, when the call lights go off on our unit, you're rushing in there because you don't know yeah. if it's something horrible is happening or they just need a cup of water. <laughs> so you run in there either way. And this kid just wanted to play video games. <laughs> and he was just like, will someone play Apex with me? <laughs> and we we're like, sure, sure, bud. We'll get someone to play Apex with you. And so they just sat in there and played this video game with him. And it just brightened his his little spirits. And it just made me very happy. But it's still just so sad. Like, this kid just wants some company. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a hard time. I mean, it's always hard to be alone, but I think that the holidays can make it even more difficult to be alone. Right. And, and so I guess, you know, our little public service announcement, you know, I'm old enough. You, you're not obviously, (laughs) but I remember (laughs) there was this uh, cartoon and it was GI Joe. And the whole reason that the cartoon existed was to sell more toys. As so many of the cartoons in the 80s, that was the only reason they existed, was to get the kids hooked on toys and, and make it so we asked our parents to buy us more toys. Oh, yeah. And I I don't remember the story exactly, but there was some reason they needed to throw educational crap on at the end of the of the episode. So they'd always come back and have some you know, education, a little message, some public right. service announcement type thing at the end. And, and it would always mm-hmm. end with a, you know, now, you know, and knowing is half the battle, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, if I could say anything, you know, I think that it's just a reminder to, you know, not just at this time of year, but especially at this time of year, be sensitive to how people around you are doing, Yeah, you know, take a minute to just ask somebody how they're doing in such a way that they feel like they could actually answer. Yeah, they can know? actually be honest. Because we all have this habit of, oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. And and while there are situations where, yeah, probably not the right time to spill or spill your guts. Right. I think being being close to someone, being re- being able to reach out and you know talk to them and yeah. see how they're doing mm-hmm. and just connect to somebody around us is just so important at this time of year. So. Yeah, just really checking in with each other because you never know how how hard things are for other people this time of year. 
You never do. And, you know, everybody's stressed. Everybody's busy. Mm-hmm. Everybody these days in, in medicine, but in so many other things, is overworked and overtired that, you know, just asking how somebody's doing and, and really meaning it, it can go a long way. Yeah. All right. Well, any other thoughts or, or anything that you have about kind of your experiences with medicine at this time of year? Um, not really. It's just things get crazy. People get hurt doing things that <laughs> you you would think that people wouldn't get hurt as often as they do, but they do. <laughs> Very true. Well, you know, appreciate you taking some time to chat with me, Aubrey, and look forward to talking again. And, and appreciate everybody out there who takes a minute to give us a listen, to download yeah. this, to subscribe, anything like that. You know, please uh, subscribe in your favorite podcast player of choice. For yeah. a lot of people, that's iTunes. If you're a nerd like me, it's something different. But yeah, <laughs> whatever it may be, we appreciate it and uh, look forward to talking next time. Thanks yeah. again. Thanks, guys. See ya.